thank you for tuning in to the Occlusal Table. I'm your host, Taylor Jackson. And today we have some guests at the table. So let's hear from who's joined us today. So we have our guest host, Jonna Cummings. Hey guys, my name is Jonna Cummings. I am a current member of the Blueprint from Pontiac, Michigan, graduate of Tootsie University. I'm just really happy to be here with you guys today. All right. And we're happy that you're here, Jonna. And today we have the pleasure of having Dr. Golden to discuss his experiences, his dental journey, and taking a deeper look into the life of a general dentist. Let's get started. Dr. Joshua Golden was born and raised in Miami, Florida. After obtaining his dental degree from the University of Southern California in Los Angeles, he made a pit stop in New York City for a general practice residency at Montefiore Hospital. Currently, Dr. Golden is the proud owner dentist at West Sunrise Dentistry, where he enjoys providing modern dentistry in a warm and welcoming atmosphere. When Dr. G isn't connecting with his patient's chair side, he is connecting with them on social media at The Golden Dentist. So let's go ahead and give it up for our guests. Woo! Yo! <laughs> Good afternoon, evening, or night, whatever time it is you're listening to this. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Golden. And thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Golden. So let's go ahead and dive into some questions because I know you have a lot of gems for us today. So how did you know um, how to choose like going in solo or starting off as an associateship um, when going into a DSO? All right. So for me, I actually did a residency first. And then after my residency, um, I started working at a private practice. Um, it was literally like a mom and pop shop. And I remember starting with them. And originally I thought I was going to go into one office, but then it was a little switcheroo and they ended up putting me somewhere else. And that didn't work out very well. Um, they weren't ready for an associate. And it was a really small office, like literally two operatories. And I don't want to bash, but I'm just going to say they weren't ready for an associate. So in that moment, I learned that I should have done a, more of a due diligence and shadowed. I should have gone down there at least once or twice to see exactly what was going to be my future setup and where I was going to be and what it was going to be like. I was kind of going off of that good faith that um, I had a connect that hooked me up with this person and I trusted them and it was where I wanted to be when I wanted to be. So I was, you know, a little naive and super happy to be there, um, but that didn't work out. Then after that, um, I hopped at another DSO and then I found my way to PDS. Um, I started working for PDS in January of 2017, um, literally just kind of answered an ad and I remember applying for that job and like several others because I was trying to find a good fit for myself and I um, got both jobs and I remember looking at a list trying to figure out which one I was going to finally like say hey yeah I'll be there on Monday. Um, I was looking for at the time mentorship. I was looking for a place where I was going to have the top of the line technology and then also uh, a place where I was going to have advanced uh, advancements. Um, 
PDS destroyed the other company that I was looking at. Um, just hands down, they had everything that I wanted and needed. And again, I felt like it was too good to be true. So this time I actually got the shadow and look in the office and it was true. It was somewhere I wanted to be and it was a good fit from there. And thank you for that background, too, um, because I know that there are some people that are like, oh, should I just go in there solo? Do I want to be a part of an associateship and get warmed up to that experience? But there's also some of my classmates talking about being the jack of all trades or the super GP is what they call it. Do you think that that's something that's feasible or do you think maybe sticking to one thing like implants, like veneers or anything along those lines is better Not or more fitting, I should say, um, than being the jack of all trades and doing all the procedures under the sun? Well, I would say you want to learn everything you can so that you can treat your community. So if you're able to learn how to do fancy veneers, if you're able to learn how to place implants or, you know, socket uh, bone and preservation and all of that stuff, Go for it. Yes, you want to learn it. You want to have it in your tool belt. But I always tell my young docs when you get out of school, and I look them in the eye when I say this, can you prep tooth number 15 on the distal without sweating? Yeah, you can. So why are you thinking about placing implants right now? Chill, bro, chill. You got to start somewhere. So you want to be able to kind of do the bread and butter stuff because this is what's going to help uh, your patients and help you build your confidence. Um, think about it when you were in sim lab. You didn't know how to do a class two composite. Like you, you were struggling with that. So it took you a while to get comfortable with it. And then towards the end of your dental career, when you were in clinic, it was like, oh, class two now, you know, you weren't sweating as much. All right, let me go ahead and make it happen. It's just like that with all the other procedures. Um, I know there are some docs that get super, nervous when it comes down to extractions. So it's like, all right, well, if you're a little nervous with a simple extraction, then you shouldn't be trying to, you know, say, oh, I'm going to take out wisdom teeth and sedate people. Like you, you got to work your way up to it. So, but you do want to learn as much as possible because you have to see what you're interested in. And then once you're interested in it and you're able to do it to the standard of care, because let's say something goes kind of haywire, um, you're doing a molar RCT and it doesn't go so right, you know, and it took you 15 hours to do it when your endodontist could have did it in an hour. And then now you're facing some type of legal charges because it didn't go so right because the patient got pissed. The um, court system's going to look at you as, all right, well, you were supposed to be doing this to this certain level and you were thinking you were doing it at the endo level and you really weren't. So just be smart about it. But I'm saying learn as much as you can. But just, again, try to make sure that you're comfortable with it and doing it to the standard of care. All right, Dr. Golden. So let's talk a little bit about teamwork. So how do you make sure your office, like your front desk, dental assistants, business managers, all of that runs like a well-oiled machine? Like what's the morale of your office? What does that look like? Peace. Uh, well, that takes time. <laughs> um, I like to say for my office, uh, we're a family. So when I'm hiring people, I'm trying to select somebody that's going to be a really good fit for West Sunrise Dentistry. Um, again, we all have our pros and cons. Everybody has their little positives that's great about them and things that's not so great about them. 
So whenever I'm working with my team members, I'm trying to highlight their best uh, aspects. So that quality of maybe this person is really good at crisis management. I have one assistant that's super amazing at dealing with like uh, tough patients. Then I have an assistant that's amazing at dealing with older patients and caring for them and making them feel comfortable. Um, so everybody has a superpower. And so I always say I love sports. I let my shooters shoot. I let my rebounders rebound and I let my defenders defend. So everybody plays their role. And then by highlighting that role, my team is more comfortable and then they're having fun. So let's say I'm dealing with someone at my front desk and they're like a super closer. I put them in a room and I know when they walk out their room, they go have the Invisalign case and get that patient to understand that they need this and find a way to fit into their budget. So I'm going to get that particular person. And that person, I'm, I'm actually thinking of one person. This one is super excited about Invisalign because they went through Invisalign. So now they have some type of history so they can bond and connect with that patient to get that case close and also help the patient see the vision that I see. Great point. Absolutely. So how would you, or how do you know who to really trust when it comes to the business aspect of dentistry? You know, we hear some things that happen in, in people's offices and working in private practice or DSO. So how do you kind of know who to trust? All right. So I'm going to throw this back at you. How do you know who to trust when you're trying to go get your hair done, your lashes did, or your nails done? Seriously, tell me. Like reviews or seeing pictures of their work or at least, or referrals, personal referrals from different people. Boom. And that's the same way. So when you're networking and getting to know other people in the dental field, let's say you're trying to get uh, an expensive piece of material or something like that, like an iTero. So I'm going to go through and talk to all of my friends and ask them the pros and cons of getting an iTero what they think about it. Is it worth it? Um, do my research. I'm going to talk to every single rep. I'm going to talk to at least three of them to see what's going on. And then at that point, you make an informed decision. And then you have to trust that all the information and data that you've gathered is you know, correct. And then you make it happen. Nice. So then even um, when it comes down to like the business or financial aspects um, of the dental office, is there anything that you wish you would have known, especially like with you transitioning from an associate to a practice owner? Is there anything that you would have done differently or any advice that you would give to those that do want to follow your footsteps? Well, we all know in dental school, they teach us absolutely nothing about business. Uh, so, you know, no shade, but they, they have other things they need to teach us. So no shade. Um, so for me, being with PDS, I received a lot of business training from that end. My regional partner actually sat down with me and helped me better understand a PL, which is a profit and loss report. Um, of course, I did my little research, I YouTube did, I tried to learn as much as I can, but having that support from a, a company like PDS helping me understand line by line of what's going on um, really helped kind of propel me and taught me that statement a lot quicker. 
Um, again, I say do as much research as you can, you know, learn what you can. But if you're interested in a DSO like PDS, then use your connects. Get those people to help you out so that way you can understand what you need to understand quicker. And going along those lines, even how was that transition to ownership? So from the autonomy of an associate versus the autonomy of a practice owner, what were those like comparisons or differences uh, when making that transition? So for me, when I started off in the practice, there were two docs in that office, uh, myself and someone else. And I remember by October of 2017, she had an opportunity to go to another PDS office. So I took over as like the solo doc in my at West Sunrise Industry. And at that point, I was starting to be groomed to become the owner of that office. So meetings with uh, my regional manager and regional partner, um, dealings with the operational manager on a day-to-day of what we're doing, uh, talking about numbers, getting things going. And then by February, March of 2018, just a couple of months, um, it was time for Dr. Golden to become the owner of West Sunrise Dentistry. So they did a really good job from even the time when I was just working with the other doc in the office, kind of preparing me and showing me exactly different things that I need to look at from, you know, hiring staff members, um, what to look for when you're trying to do that. Um, like I told you before, talking about the numbers of the office with the P&L um, and just kind of managing the schedule and things of that nature. So all of this stuff is taught to you as an associate at PDS so that you get better. And once that day comes and that switch is flipped to owner, all those skills that you learned are boom, right there and pulled to the, for- the forefront. All right. So kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, I know that you're big on social media. So what's your take Follow on us this? at the Golden Dentist, <laughs> at the Golden Dentist. Please give us a follow. I promise you we won't disappoint. I try to make that page as fun as possible. So at right. the Golden Dentist. All right, back to you. It's definitely a great page. I would follow. Absolutely. I do too. <laughs> so with that being said, like, what's your take on dentistry and social media? How do you think it really helps cosmetic dentists? And should those interested in cosmetic dentistry push for a large social media presence? Obviously, I'm a huge fan of dentists being on social media because, honestly, it allows you to educate your patients. That's why I originally started my page. Um, I wanted to get more eyes over at West Sunrise Dentistry, and I also wanted to kind of help people um, understand dentistry a lot better because whenever you say, oh, hey, I'm a dentist to somebody, they kind of like, and I don't like that. It's like, why are you afraid of not the boogeyman. I'm not trying to scare you. And I've heard some crazy stories. And I remember this one lady who told me that, oh yeah, I don't like the dentist because every time you go, they go in your mouth, I come back with pain. And I'm like, well, what was your mouth like before they even went in there? So I start asking those questions. And I remember um, her as a patient, she had like multiple decayed teeth. And so my very next post after seeing that patient was a post about, okay, the cost of not going in to get dentistry. So she waited, she neglected the teeth or life happened, whatever the situation may be. And one tooth that could have been a simple occlusal filling turned into an RCT. 
So an occlusal filling can be anywhere from, depending on if you have insurance, and that's a whole other story for another day, something as simple as $25 to $200, $300, simple filling, to a root canal, which can, a root canal build up in crown. What if it needs crown anything? What if it needs a post? Now we're looking at maybe max $3,000, you know? So come on, that's a big gap. So if you can take care of these problems early on, you can avoid those type of hits to the wallet. And I was really, really, really trying to show that on my page and I'm doing little charts, I'm doing videos, um, talking about multiple things. Right now, I'm really loving the results from Invisalign. So I'm showing patients a lot of before and afters and letting them know the benefits of aligning your teeth properly. Like, so check it. Give me a second to kind of get on this soapbox. Um, imagine a patient comes in and they haven't had a cleaning in years and the lower anteriors are super crowded. Now, when this patient walks into your office and your hygienist sees that, the hygienist starts to punch the air because they don't want to clean that. All that crowding, they can't get in there. They don't feel like they're doing their job. They feel like they're doing a disservice to the patient. Now, if you go to my page and you see some of the cases that I've had where we've unraveled those teeth and allowed the patient to clean the areas better, now this patient's coming in looking a lot better, feeling a lot better about their teeth. And now your hygienist, when they see them, they're more excited to see this patient because now they can really get in there and do their job. And plus, with the education that we provide, they're no longer walking around with all that crazy calculus back there. So power of Invisalign, the power of education, power of dentistry. Yeah, I like how you tied that all together too. Um, but even like uh, flipping the switch and talking about community outreach, how do you still find time to participate in serving the community, um, even with being with the DSO, being a private practice owner, and even being a family man and running your social media, just <laughs> wearing so many different hats, Dr. Golden, how do you still participate in community outreach? Well, I don't sleep. Um, <laughs> no, I sleep. I sleep. Um, so actually being with PDS, again, I, this is not a commercial for PDS, guys. But I'm just letting you know some of the positives of what's going on with me and my partners at PDS. Shout out to those guys. Um, we have something called Serve Day, which is one day every year we are able to bring in patients into our practice and donate dentistry. My office is down the street from the VA clinic. So I try to do my best for um, the vets there because I see a lot of them, you know, coming into my, my office and the community um, publics and things like that. And some of them aren't able to get dental treatment because um, of the classification that the VA has for them. Like I know one guy, he needed a root canal and he couldn't get it because he wasn't considered fully disabled or something like that. And it's like you served the community and you weren't able to get what you needed. So we end up helping that guy, you know, helping take care of them and doing what we can for them. So we give back like that. Um, donating dentistry is huge for us because we want to really help our community. Um, if you help your community, your community will help your practice grow. So you have to think of it in that factor. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, I know in a lot of our 
personal statements. We talk about helping people, but who actually follows through with that goal um, in mind? So it's right. right. (laughs) Help these people actually do it. Um, I'm actually working on something right now uh, for the Christmas holiday with a particular family. I can't wait to announce all of that. Um, But giving back, help those in need because if you help your community, I promise you, I promise you, they will give back. They will talk about the great things that you guys are doing. And it's an awesome feeling when you're able to do some good for the people in your neighborhood. Absolutely. Um, and also uh, there, I'm kind of going to make this actually a two part question. Um, one, what are some like myths that you think that we can dispel about DSOs? Because some people do have those um, preconceived uh, notions about them. And also there are some of our classmates that are interested in talking with DSOs and they don't know what um, questions to ask. So what myths do you think that you can like debunk? And then also what questions do you think um, a uh, new grad um, or someone who's interested in pursuing a DSO should ask? Oh, this could be a whole episode by itself. <laughs> so I'm actually going to kind of hop back on the service thing. Did you know, like with PDS, they have a special needs clinic uh, where they give back to tons of special need patients. Um, myself, I actually won an award for service for giving back to my community. Ooh, um, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. I got like a little a beautiful shovel that I have hanging in my office and it's a great conversational starter. Um, And then when I started telling people about what we did and how we earned that, then it's again, now the community is like, whoa, you're actually doing something to help us out. Um, Also, there are um, international trips. Uh, PDS goes to Guatemala, um, Fiji, uh, Ethiopia. So, this company, you know, this DSO, this evil empire, we can go on this about all this stuff. Uh, but this DSO is actually giving back and helping the communities that they're in uh, become happier, healthier. And then the technology that the DSO has. So kind of moving on on your question um, with their particular buying power, they're able to get more modern technology and so we're looking at lasers, CBCTs, um, Seric machines, Iteros. So all those fun toys you guys want to play with, they're able to purchase it, get it into these million dollar practices that are super modern, and you're able to provide amazing services to your patients. And then on top of that, they have specialty that comes through. So let's say you hate endo. You never want to touch another file again in your life. They have an endodontist for that. So you can have that. You can, you know, refer your cases. And no, we're not putting a gun in your head and saying you got to refer all your cases. If you want to go ahead and do endosteel, you can still do it. It's all about what the practitioner wants to do and what's going to make more sense for the practice. So uh, let's imagine you're in a super busy practice and you got patients coming in and out. You got to help these people it wouldn't be very smart of you to sit down and uh, do a molar endo that's going to take you two to three hours and 
miss out on all these other patients that need to be helped. So why not refer that molar endo over to your specialist? And then the next anterior premolar that comes in, then you go ahead and knock it out and scratch that itch that you have. And so more people are being served and helped. So it's just kind of leveraging the platform. And any questions you think that uh, new grads or fourth year dental students should ask DSOs, but like if they're interested in a job? I would say the best thing you guys could do, like there is no stupid question. Um, Like we got to get over that. Nobody wants to look dumb. But if you have a question about whether it's salary, start dates, uh, maternity leave, like ask these questions. Uh, They have the recruiters and they have these regional managers here to answer the questions. And then if you really don't feel comfortable asking a particular question, then go ahead and DM me. DM me at the Golden Dentist. I'll be happy to um, answer the question for you. Um, and you, this is the only way you're going to learn about the company. And then you want to shadow also. Shadowing is really big. You want to go into these places and see if it's a good fit. So, for example, let's say you want to move down here to South Florida. And there's three offices with openings. You should go to each of those offices and kind of shadow and see what the owner doctor is like, what the vibe is like for the office. Can you imagine being in that office? After you shadow and get a feel for that office, I might say, all right, you really like that one? Go one more time. Try to catch them on another day. Um, I say catch them like on a Tuesday, then catch them on a Saturday. And then you really can try to see what this place is like on multiple different days and see if it works best for you. Um, And then that's how you find out what's going to be best. Excellent. Well, those are all the questions that we have for today. So thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Golden. (laughs) Any closing remarks? Thank you so much for having me. Um, I enjoy this stuff. Um, I know everybody, when they think of DSOs, they have like this stigma. Um, And it's mainly from the older faculty members from when we're in dental school. Um, And that's because I don't know who hurt them, but somebody hurt them years ago and that pain never went away. And the world has changed to change. The world is evolving. Just like you guys hear things about of public health. Like some people are like, oh, I don't want to work in public health because, oh, I'm not going to make money. Who, who, who says something like that? You don't know what the public health feel is like. Um, or let's say, oh, I don't want to work in a jail because something bad's going to happen. Like you don't know. So my best advice to you again is to go shadow, find out as much about these places in person on your own so you can make an informed decision. Um, again, like I say, dentistry is evolving. Um, back in the days when your 80-year-old professor was fresh out of dental school, they could just go get a loan from the bank and put their shingle on the door and start practicing. You can't do that anymore. The world has changed too much. So with the world evolving, then you have to evolve also. And then these professors also, they weren't able to really do the type of dentistry you guys are going to be able to do. Like implants wasn't a thing back then. So now you have a one-up on them. So research, go ahead, research, 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 and go find a good fit for yourself. And trust me, it'll, it'll make the world of a difference. Thank you so much.
All right. And Jana, any closing remarks? Not, not really. Just thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Dr. Golden, for sharing, you know, words of wisdom, dropping some gems, and just sharing your journey with us. I really do appreciate it. Definitely some things I'm going to take home and do myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, again, I am honored to be on this podcast. I'm so happy to be a part of it and sitting here chatting with you guys. Um, I'm an open book. Please feel free to message me. And I'll be happy to help you guys along your journey. Okay. So let's go ahead and wrap things up and transition into Taylor's takeaways. And today I want to discuss how to prepare for a better work week uh, on Sunday nights. And this article is from Leadership Lab. So everyone knows that feeling when looking forward to Fridays full of excitement. You can rest, do things that we want to do. And then everyone knows that feeling about when we approach Mondays and it's the complete opposite. So here are five things that you can do on Sundays to help make sure that you have a great Monday and great rest of your week. So number one, list three priorities for Monday. So take a few minutes on Sunday to sit down and think about three things that you want to accomplish that next day and plan your entire day around it. Secondly, review your schedule and calendar for the week. So reviewing your schedule and calendar for the week on Sunday allows you to prepare mentally for what lies up ahead. Third, tidy up and organize your home. Sunday is the perfect day to get small home projects done so you can go into Monday with a cleaner and more organized home to face that week ahead. Fourth, plan your outfits for the week. So I'm happy that we're in dentistry and we can just wear scrubs and just walk in every day. But if you're not in that field, then just take that extra time to plan your outfits for the week. And that's one less decision that you have to make every morning. And lastly, meditate, be mindful and relax. So Sunday is the perfect day to enjoy having a more relaxed schedule and focus on some much needed me time. So just remember um, to go ahead and set the tone for the week by doing all of these tips so that you can be in the right mind, body, and spirit for what this upcoming week has to bring. So remember to stay flossing and keep flossing. If you like what you hear, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Pod for more updates on the show and be sure to give us a shout out. Want to ask us questions or give suggestions on topics that you'd like to hear? Then email us at theocclusaltablepodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear feedback from our listeners. So don't forget to leave a thumbs up, five stars, and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. Well, that's all we have for today. So until next time, this is The The Occlusal Table. Table.